My name is Anmol Jaggi. I lead the team at Blue Smart and Jensol. I have always found the ride-hailing business to be one of the most fascinating businesses. Uber was the pioneer in the space and once had the same kind of respect that people today have for a company like Tesla. But this is one of the hardest businesses to build. Both Uber and Ola are yet to turn profitable and they have exited from many countries. Blue Smart is one of the most exciting new companies in this highly competitive market. Blue Smart's unique proposition is that they run an all-electric fleet and they acquire the vehicles instead of relying on drivers to buy and add vehicles to their platform. And this might be the winning formula to build a profitable ride-hailing business in India. In this episode of the Founder Thesis podcast, your host Akshay Dutt speaks to Anmol Jaggi, who is a serial entrepreneur and the founder of Blue Smart. Anmol has an enviable track record as an entrepreneur. He started his first business from his college dorm room and took it to a public listing and since listing their share price has increased manifold. In this conversation, Anmol talks about building sustainable business for India and his lessons from his decade plus journey as an entrepreneur. Stay tuned and subscribe to the Founder Thesis podcast on any audio streaming platform to learn the secrets of growth from the most disruptive founders in India. So the story is that I was uh, I, the Gensol Engineering, which is the first business that we started, uh, started okay. in my third year of engineering itself. Uh, by the time uh, I was graduating, uh, we were already at uh, an, uh, at a yearly run rate of about close to 70, 80 lakh rupees at that time in 2006 wow. and seven. Amazing. Uh, yeah, which will be inflation adjusted something like two crore plus for today. Uh, but uh, but yeah, it, it started off well, I think. Uh, but how did you, like, you know, tell me that zero to one. How did that idea come in your mind? I, instead of doing a job, I'll do something on my own. And I mean, for a, a you must have been like a 20-year-old kid. How does a 20-year-old kid build a business which is doing like that kind of top line? Yeah, so uh, I was at college. I did my, uh, I did three internships. First internship was with Indian Oil and Pipeline Divisions. Second internship was with Bharat Petroleum in in selling in in retail pumps, uh, uh, selling of fuel. And the third was with Reliance Industries, where we were trying to sell gas. Uh, while we were trying to sell gas, uh, I was given the areas of Madhya Pradesh and Odisha. Both of these areas are very and heavy. selling gas means like who's the buyer of gas? Like are these like power plants who buy gas or? We were trying to sell to paper mills, cement plants, uh, large chemical industries, etc. Net uh, power plants, not for power usage, but for application usage. Uh, so cement plant, paper mills, they were the two major customers, uh, apart from anybody who had a furnace. Uh, so uh, so where uh, heating application essentially. Uh, so uh, we were, uh, we were uh, I was trying to do that and I was working in Madhya Pradesh and Odisha at that time. I saw a presentation which said there is something known as carbon credits. Uh, basically, if you can shift from a high carbon intensive fuel to a lower carbon intensive fuel, you get carbon credits. This is way back 2005. Uh, and uh, I learned that and I thought, boss, this is very cool. Yeah? Uh, if you can transition to lower carbon, uh, you make money. Uh, and and uh, how do you make money? Like, uh, let's say, uh, I remember like ITC was one of the pioneers of moving yes, to yes. low carbon. How would have ITC oh. made money on this? Like, Let's say they replaced uh, an energy with solar power. How would that lead to money for them? 
So uh, every amount, every ton of carbon dioxide that you save, you get a certificate uh, from United Nations that you've saved this carbon dioxide, which is a tradable. That certificate is can be traded in Europe and US. Uh, so they, so uh, people there want emission reductions because they have emission reduction mandates there, and uh, they, they, you know, emission reduction happens anywhere in the world. It's the same. We have a common atmosphere. So, so that's why any emission reduction that we were doing in India, uh, they were being bought over by the certificates were being bought over by Europeans. Uh, so uh, I okay. got a lot of, and I came and to these the European companies. This was like a regulation in Europe that they had to reduce. So for regulatory compliance, they had to buy carbon credits. Yes. So they used to do that. And uh, so I came back to Dehradun. I spoke to one of my professor, told him, this is a great idea. Why don't we do something on this? Uh, he said that uh, uh, there are a lot of hydropower plants in here in Uttarakhand. So why don't hydropower plants produce clean energy? Why don't we get them uh, carbon credits? So we started uh, one project, second project, third project. He introduced me to a lot of uh, hydro project owners. Uh, and, and work just started to happen. Uh, and uh, then I was juggling between college assignments, uh, tra uh, traveling to meet my girlfriend and also yeah, work yeah, for yeah. clients. Yeah. So this would have been, uh, I guess, a lot of uh, paperwork. Like say, for example, you have these uh, consultants who help you get an ISO certification uh, where they make your business ready. They take your documentation process, etc. So this would be very similar to that, I'm guessing. Where yeah, it was, you it was a... Have to follow a process. Eighty percent was eighty percent was the process paperwork, and twenty percent was physical activity, which was good. Uh, we built some great relationships in the renewable energy industry. Uh, so while I was graduating in two thousand, what, what kind of physical activity? Twenty percent. Oh, we had to do some stakeholder. We had to do some stakeholder consultation that the project is not. So it, it's not just that the project should be only saving carbon dioxide. If you have taken away livelihood of people. Or something else, then it, there is, should be no negative impact of the the project. So uh, we used to always study that because it isn't carbon emission reduction is one part of sustainable living, but there are other elements to it also. So whether it has caused any submergence of land, for example, in case of hydro projects, did it lead to loss of livelihood for anybody? Did tribal land get annexed for it? So, uh, so these kind of sustainable measures. And uh, how would you charge them? Like. Uh, you, you would charge them on a per credit that they receive or you would be yes, doing so like trading? Like... I used to do both the things. I used to trade as well as uh, provide consulting. So consulting was like bread and butter. Cheese and cake was trade. Trading was cheese and cake. So, yeah. so like you would take a commission on the transaction value when you traded and uh, for getting them the certification, they would be like a fixed fees of based on number of hours that you need to put yeah. in. And... Absolutely. I was doing a lot of it while I was still at college uh, and uh, made some good money uh, uh, in there. I got placed with British Gas. I was day zero placed in British Gas. Uh, so very happy uh, to have got placed also. Uh, basically, all Indian parents would want their student, would want their kids to have a job and you know be very safe. Uh, so I did, I did present it to my dad again. And uh, my dad had posted only one condition that your business revenue should be greater than your CTC. <laughs> and, and and with the and with the conditions that I will also write the MBA exam, CAT exam, uh, even if I be decided to become an entrepreneur. So those were some conditions that I had, uh, which I fulfilled. Uh, business was greater than CTC, and uh, yeah, yeah, obviously 60, 70 lakhs. Like, there's no way that salary could have matched uh, that kind of 
Uh, yeah, especially in 2007. Especially in 2007. Today, 60, 70 lakhs is not much, but uh, I think 2007 was slightly different. Is almost uh, 15 years back. So money would have doubled twice. Uh, you know, it's it's eight years money doubled. So yeah, but but yes, um, it was good. So I started off uh, right after graduation. Then formally, uh, the company had already got incorporated. So. Uh, started recruiting uh, after I left college. Uh, started to build Gensol into a good company on carbon credits. My brother graduated 2010 from IIT Roorkee, uh, so he also then joined the business. By that time, business was doing very well. In 2010, we got awarded. What, how did you learn to build an organization? That how did you learn that I should hire someone in finance? I should hire someone to do sales. I should hire someone. How was that growth happening? So I would say that is all need of the day, need of the hour. Uh, if you were, for example, uh, you know, you needed more projects, then of course you need marketing team. If you're if you're not able to file your tax returns in time, then you of course need a finance guy, etc. So all have been, all of those have been very organically. Uh, nobody told my, my like we are first generation entrepreneur. My dad's been an army officer, which is a service background. Uh, It really doesn't, uh, you know. We've not learned it sitting sitting on the dining table. Uh, so, uh, it, but but I think whatever was the need of the hour, we used to just pick up that problem and solve for that problem. I think that's how uh, zero to one. All zero to one stories are like that. Mm. And your focus was on hiring people who would execute or hiring people who would get business or like what so kind I of. I was a good. I was a good sales guy myself. So really not interested in uh, getting more sales done. It was more about execution. Uh, which was there, and like I mentioned, 2010, my brother joined. Uh, he graduated from IIT Roorkee. At that time, we decided that. Uh, and what was your top line by then? By the time your brother graduated, by 2010, we crossed 10 crores. I think. Amazing! That's phenomenal growth. That's like more than 10x in just uh, two three years. Yeah, we crossed 10 crores by that time. I think uh, otherwise he he had got placed with Shell. Mummy, Papa, उसको भी नहीं आने देते। Right, right, right. Uh, okay. वो तो वो तो तुम तो फिर भी petroleum engineer हो वो तो IIT से। So so yeah, you were telling me you decided uh, when your brother joined. What, what did you decide? Yeah, we decided that uh, we'll now focus on solar energy also, uh, just uh, because carbon credits, like you mentioned, was a paper pushing job. Uh, that that that's a good. It's it's good money, but uh, we need to build up some more technology. We need to learn more skills, and solar seemed to be very interesting at that time uh, because uh, we thought that uh, prices of solar are going to fall, efficiency is going to increase, and uh, we pretty much seen the telecom revolution at that time. Telecom also the same thing happened. Your costs went costs were coming down, and there was mass adoption which was there. So we predicted that solar is going to go. Uh, solar is going to go the same way. And that's why my brother did not focus on carbon credits. He's from day one focused on solar, and that's how we started to build the solar vertical internally. Solar, as in you would uh, take up projects and uh, construct solar power plants. So we we started with uh, we started with advisory services. Uh, we did not have capital to do get into construction etc. Uh, but uh, we started with advisory services. Uh, we were we've been the uh, largest design engineering company for solar power plants in the country. Designed about fifty percent. Is and about fifty percent of all solar plants in the country been designed at our office. So that did did some very amazing cool work uh, in solar. Uh, this is from almost two thousand ten till about two thousand seventeen. Two thousand seven, we shut our advisory service because then we had much larger fishes to fry, uh, and and uh, and that by that time we had accumulated significant capital to, to get into other forms of businesses. 
Uh, so, so we did that. Uh, it was quite interesting there too because uh, uh, nobody in the country actually knew how to design projects. Uh, so, uh, went traveled across the globe, learned it from experience, came to India, built few plants, uh, saw how those plants are being built, what are the goods and bads of design that we have done, go back to the drawing board again, design. Uh, so we did it quite an iterative process. We had a beautiful team, very nice team, uh, which was which was uh, helping us with all of it. Uh, so good. Uh, I think at peak uh, in the advisory services, we had more than two hundred design engineers with us. Uh, uh, so doing fairly fair good amount of uh, work that we used to do. Like I mentioned, we used to do about close to fifty percent of all projects in the country were designed by at our office. So so good good work uh, that we were doing. So essentially, from 2010 to 17, uh, you became a design agency uh, or a design house for anybody who wanted to do a solar project. Yes, yes, yes. A design house, project management, advisory services, uh, strategy. So a lot of that, uh, which was there. And in 2017, we decided that we'll get into now. We'll start getting into two more sectors, which is construction of power plants and uh, maintenance of power plants, solar power plants. So we started both of them. By then, you would have got capital because those are like more capital intensive businesses. So what what kind of top line were you doing by 17 when you reached this milestone? 17, we would be doing 55, 60 crores. Wow. Amazing. Okay. And this, like you, you were the guy getting into business and your brother was the one who was executing it. Like between the two of you, that was... Uh, more or less, I think both of us used to do both the things. So uh, we were, we were. Uh, so ha- it used to be basically half of our clients used to be managed by him, half of the clients were managed by me. Uh, but if he got in a client, we used to go end to end, build build out the relationship, do the complete scope of service. If I needed his help, he was always available. If he needed my help, I was always available. So, so, so and then, uh, then to twenty seventeen, he started operation maintenance and. And construction of power plants. Uh, since then, we've been doing so that. This, between... uh, uh, construction of power plants. Uh, how does this operate as a business? Uh, you uh, bid for uh, like selling electricity to the government, and then you construct a plant, or you go to uh-huh. people who have land and tell them, "I will bid." A, uh, I will so build. Like, how does it work? Like, our clients are people who have won the tenders to supply electricity. Okay. They and want a solar. They want hmm. a solar power plant, and we go and build it for them. So, so this would be like a, a build, operate, transfers kind of a model. Or, or it's a it's a EPC job. Uh, we do engineering, procurement, construction. So they pay us money, and we do EPC uh, and complete the project. We also do operation and maintenance of these assets that we have built, and many other assets that we have not built. Uh, so we got into these two. Uh, 2019 was again very momentous. 2019 we started BlueSmart and, and Presento. Presento is into data analytics, and and uh, BlueSmart is into the electric ride hill. We entered electric mobility in 2019. 2019 we also did IPO of Gensol, uh, so which was another uh, momentous, uh, good 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 to get a public listed company. Uh, so 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 all that all that was 2019. 2019 uh, was a was a busy year. Yeah, I can imagine. Okay. So uh, let's just break down each of these. Uh, so uh, what was the reason to go for an IPO? Uh, because you would, uh, you would not have needed funds as such or you needed funds for investing in uh, expansion. No, it was it was more of a dream to have a listed company to say that we, yeah, there is, you know, basically what happens is that in your own, till the time the company is not listed, you really don't know the value or 
you can keep saying I am doing this, I am doing that, but it's only the public markets which actually ascribe any value to it. Uh, so it was good to get some value. Uh, very happy, Gensols today uh, about sixteen, seventeen hundred crore uh, business. So uh, public markets say that it's not me who's saying that. So uh, so very happy uh, that uh, that we were able to kind of get it to public market. Shareholders enjoyed. Uh, shareholders have enjoyed. Our stock price went from uh, sixty-two rupees uh, to today it is thirteen fifty. But uh, about about one month back it was nineteen hundred. Okay, uh, so, that's amazing appreciation. To, okay, sixty rupees to nineteen hundred in about less than three years uh, was was a was a good achievement. People made a people made tons of money uh, in the in the in the Gensol stock. We made ourselves tons of money uh, out there. So so that was that was another kind of high point on in the journey to in the journey of entrepreneurship. Right, amazing, amazing, and, and like. Uh, it, it, is it? Uh, I mean, you know, what's your advice to founders who are seeking to do IPO? What are like the pitfalls to avoid? Uh, you know, what are the challenges that you overcame uh, in that journey to do an IPO, and who should do an IPO? Like, do you have any advice around? No, I would say we did an IPO as a very small company. Our listing market cap was just hundred crores, so we did it as a very small company, which is okay to do a small IPO also. Uh, and, and basically, you have to be only ensured that uh, you are very responsible because there is public money which is there now. So I don't. If you can, if you think the, I I would say I would like to keep my conscience clear that uh, only if I know that uh, the business is going to do great well, and because I don't want people, you know, people have made tons of money, they give you a lot of blessings. People lose a lot of money, then will not those those blessings will will you know turn into curses. Yeah, so right. I, I I don't want to lose money for anybody. It's it's everybody's hard-earned money. So uh, I think I would only do an IPO if I was very confident that the business is doing extremely well and 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 it's going to create shareholder returns. Ultimately, we have to also imagine this that uh, in in an IPO majority you dilute twenty five percent. So we diluted twenty five percent. Seventy five percent is still held by us. Now, anything wrong which happening you know, more than the market impact, more than the uh, shareholders, uh, it impacts you because you still hold 75% of the business. So I think I would say that only do an IPO if you can create returns. If you cannot create returns, if your business is not going to do well, uh, because it's a, it's a big pressure because, you know, people then start to, uh, an, you know, draw an analogy. If the share price is doing well, business is doing well. If the share price is not doing well, the business. So so you have to be very, very careful. You are up for scrutiny every day at 9.15 a.m. Yeah, yeah, 9.15 a.m. people are scrutinizing you. Right, so, right, right. So, right. They, they are voting, like the share price is like a daily voting mechanism or right, daily yeah. feedback. Uh, Absolutely. So you there's a slight amount of pressure to it too uh, because... Uh, you know, why would you, you know, you could focus the same energy on managing than to look at your share price and look at what's happening to it. It's a bit of pressure moment. Uh, you know, you you feel very happy when it goes from 60 rupees to 1900. But there is also pressure when it comes from 1900 to 1400. Uh, so although, you know, people have made a lot of money, but you still don't mm. like it when it mm. comes down. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. And that's what this part. is due to factors beyond your control. Like it's just a market scenario. Somebody in London decided we should raise interest rates and and then Indian stock market. Nothing's happened to my business. My business is doing all time best. Uh, September quarter we have closed the best ever September quarter. But uh, you know people people will uh, there are many external factors, perceptions, thoughts uh, which which govern the market. 
Okay. Uh, you are uh, so from hundred crore market cap at time of IPO today, you are about sixteen, seventeen hundred crores. Uh, yeah, amazing. And what about the top line? What has that uh, trajectory been like? Like you said, September yes. has been your best yeah. quarter. Yeah. So September quarter, we are closing at one seventy, uh, one uh, close to two hundred crores of top line in six months. Wow, amazing. So you you'll do like maybe some four hundred crore kind of a annual. Turnover, slightly larger, higher. Oh, wow! Slightly amazing. Yeah, amazing. And what is the breakup of this? How much comes from which uh, part of the business? Like, uh, this is all. This is only the construction business. Uh, Blue Smart is uh, operates in the private domain. Hmm. Uh, Presento no, operates uh, in the private domain. Yeah, uh, the, renewables. Yeah, even in Jetsol, you have uh, the design. Uh, Oh, consulting. The, uh, so in 17, we stopped design services. Okay. Instead of giving advice to others to build, you decided let's build ourselves only, basically. Yeah. So now let's talk about uh, Blue Smart. Uh, so 2019, uh, th- this was like the one major uh, business that you launched. So th- is it a subsidiary of Gensol or it's a no, sister it's company? Like Standalone. Nothing, only the founders are the same. Okay. Got the it. founders are the same. No other, uh, no other relationship between the two companies. No cross shareholding, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but only the founders are the same. I think again the same thing, uh, which which was a uh, which was important for us to take decision on solar, which was around efficiencies improving and prices going down. Uh, so we loved the uh, the way solar market operated and solar started to become mass ad- adopted in masses. We thought electric mobility is also niche today, but uh, battery efficiency is going to improve. Prices are going to fall. Electric mobility will also become a mass market product. And, and let's get into that. Uh, so, so that's how we started Blue. And of late, uh, we just acquired a company for manufacturing EV cars also. So, uh, I mean, you know, ride hailing is a, I mean, it's like a graveyard of companies who could not succeed. Uh, it needs so much uh, of cash burn. And uh, compared to, you know, you built Gensol with zero fundraise, zero external funding, uh, you know what? Uh, I mean, tell me what what you thought about it uh, before you started. And you know, these concerns must have come up, right? Like there is so much uh, cash burn which companies have done already to build up the business and so on. Like, did you feel that there is a gap here through which you know there is an opportunity for us to enter? Then, like, I want to understand your thinking. So clearly, it was a David versus Goliath kind of a. War, which is or or a battle, which is there. Uh, there are two very large uh, ride-hailing companies which operate in the country, Ola and Uber, and we are the smallest one, uh, which is there. So, but I think there were two, three major glaring gaps uh, which were there. One on the fuel side. On the fuel side, we could see that in electric versus conventional fuel, the ratio is five is to one. So, fuel on conventional is five times more expensive than electric. Which basically means that if we run an or ran an all electric fleet, we could uh, we could uh, our fuel cost will be very low. Uh, second, uh, we believe that the in the case of uh, Ola and Uber, our driver partners own the car. Uh, in in our case, we own the cars. So when driver partners own the car, uh, they uh, get at, at an interest rate of eighteen percent, twenty percent. They don't have civil scores, etc. So they get their cost of finance is very high. Whereas uh, our cost of finance is like 8%, 8.5%. So we save about 10 percentage point on the interest rates, which is again, which means that uh, 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 our lease costs are also very cheap when compared to driver partners. Uh, 
Uh, and, and the third thing, which is the most important thing, was that I think uh, the two companies forgot about customer service at completely, uh, whether it was uh, around cancellation, search pricing, dirty cars, ill-mannered driver partners. I think all of us have heard enough of it and not just heard experienced it also. I think that was a right to win and right to acquire the market. Uh, customers will not come to us because we are electric. Uh, customers will come to us if we can give a no cancellation, surge free, clean car. Uh, and that's what we strive for. And that's what we have been doing over the last two and a half years. Uh, so so uh, they were many, the on the cost side, interest cost and fuel cost, which is like 80% of your cost, uh, we were able to crash it down. Uh, using electric cars and and on the and on the uh, on your the balance sheet side taking uh, cars on, on your the, balance sheet on the customer side uh, on the customer side we were very happy uh, by saying that we'll do no surge no cancellation clean cars all electric cars so i think customers came in because of that and then uh, and, and then our unit economics were much better in fact uh, uh, we had uh, almost at the verge of uh, breaking even uh, God should be kind. Perhaps by December we should break even. Wow, amazing. Okay, so uh, what was uh, the process through which you built up these different pieces? I, I think what's unique here in this model is uh, that you're using EV. Now, that obviously because of your experience in the renewable energy space, that would be an obvious choice. Uh, but the choice to uh, own the car, uh, the choice to keep drivers on your payroll on a salary model instead of a, uh, like how typically it's a paper ride for uh, Uber and Ola. Oh, you know, how did you reach these decisions? Like, like, did you have some data points which helped you decide, okay, let's buy cars and keep drivers on our payroll? Because that, you know, every, every VC loves asset light business models. And so you're now going the other direction. Uh, so I, I want to understand what, you know, what made you take this uh, very contra bet? Yeah, so actually, uh, see, the, what people have been trying to do in Ride Hail is to create uh, like an Airbnb or why did Uber actually start globally? Uber globally started with a premise that there are sufficient cars on the road. People have, everybody will have some spare time. And in that spare time, they will drive a car, make some money, build some good relationships, talk to people, etc., etc. That's the founding principle of how Uber started. Ola is a copy. So uh, Uber is the first uh, ride-hailing company which which came in. Uh, but basically in India, there is nothing known as there are enough number of cars because the car ownership is just 20, 20 cars per thousand people. More importantly, you cannot run a white number plate car on a ride-hail. So driver partners had to specifically buy yellow number plate cards to run on ride hail platforms, which meant that it was not the Airbnb. Airbnb was what happens in US, that I have a spare car. Everybody in, in US, 950 people out of 1000 people have a car. Mm. Now, so essentially, that model is unutilized asset. You are utilizing yes. it by matching uh, it with demand. Yes, so but in India that's not the case. In yeah, India, there's no uh, unutilized asset in India, right? Uh, so unutilized asset, asset come in, or upper se wo yellow number plate mein asset nahi hai. So driver partners are forced to buy these cars. When driver partners were forced to buy these cars, they bought it at 20 percent. Now what did Ola Uber do? Ola Uber said ki aap incentive nahi chahiye, bhar bhar ke incentive nahi chahiye. There were people who were making sixty thousand, eighty thousand rupees a month. Now driver partners are not supposed to make sixty, eighty thousand rupees a month. Even engineers are not. 
ஆசைட் so i so that's why i think it made no sense for us to kind of give out these kind of crazy uh, like you know on a per car basis uh, for example ola and uber in india have spent about 5 billion dollars put together out of which 2 2 billion dollars would have gone to for driver incentives driver incentives 2 uh, billion dollar ki gaadi kharid ke dal right okay that's an amazing way to look at it okay okay so um you know uh, is this model like a model which needs a lot of capital investment or because you're taking cars on lease so you don't necessarily need uh, heavy capital infusion people the ride hailing as a whole only needs a lot of money there is a lot of technology that we have to build uh, we require additional amount of money because we also build out our fuel now the good part about running ice engine ride hailing is that at least you have petrol pumps you don't even have that Uh, so we have to build our own fuel uh, so there is a lot of capital which is required uh, to build out an ev ride hail business um, mm. we the, the capital is like what are the primary heads where the capital goes so what is to build the charging infrastructure three places basically uh, the, which is one is the charging infrastructure two is the purchase two is to get cars and three is uh, technology uh, building the app uh, the app the consumer facing uh, front end of it and some marketing etc and, and marketing also uh, i think you don't do very heavy marketing spend right marketing so <laughs> service okay. speaks for itself service speaks for itself so word of word of mouth is very strong our cost to acquire a customer is just about 40 rupees uh, to acquire one customer uh, you know people typically spend 1500 to 2000 rupees in acquiring a customer uh, we have we, we give zero discounts there is no discount on blue smart there is no cash back uh, I, we we don't offer any of that because i think it is cheaper right like the, the for a customer if like i've used blue smart for airport runs and all and i found it was cheaper than uber ola uh, we don't surge so uh, so that's the big point so if there is surge we'll definitely be cheaper so we should we should because the whole premise is that we don't want to surge price we want to say that for an office going person you know you are salaried you 250 rupees is your daily commute budget now because of a surge now imagine just if sir if you are in delhi uh, about 15 days back it rained and poured very heavily that 250 rupee trip became 1000 rupee trip now what is the fault of the person who is going from his office to his home you know that guy might be earning 1 lakh rupee salary today for just going back to home the person is spending 1000 rupees which which basically uh, is you know profiteering opportunistic uh, profiteering on somebody's uh, you know bad situation which is not and customers don't like it customers don't you you can you, you are trying to you are on the other side of the table than with the customers you are not on the same side of the table with the customers at blue we don't do search pricing so if you have spent to go from your hotel or your office or your home to the airport at for example 450 rupees 
next time also you go you will see 450 rupees it's not because today is the today is a heavy today is a dashera day there is heavy traffic so you will get 600 rupees so the basic uh, basic principles of business need to be right which is that you know you have to first principles customer comes first i i don't fully agree with your point on surge pricing i mean because ola ola uber have flexible supply i mean they can get more supply in by giving more price so that's where they do surge price and for them their way of thinking is a customer doesn't get a cab instead of that let me at least make sure that he gets a cab by getting more supply in by and the way to get more supply is to do surge pricing so actually uh, let me know if it, if when surge you got it some extra cars on the road Ah, okay. That that yeah. There is no data to support that necessarily. It may be happening. May not be happening. We yeah. Right. It is. It is now just become a motive to profiteer. It is. How how does it? I mean, if it starts to it starts to drizzle, the city manager just says that let's put a surge. Surge surge pricing is in the hands of city managers. Now city managers just decide that if it is started to drizzle, let me put a fifty percent surge. Okay. Uh, uh, tell me about uh, some of the other decisions you made. Uh, you know, in terms of taking drivers on fixed salary, uh, I, I think that's like an interesting decision. So, uh, what what made you decide? No, yeah. no, I'll just slightly. It's not a fixed salary model that we have with them. Uh, we uh, we sublease the cars to driver partners, but we do very bite sized subleases, six six hour leases. Uh, the charge, the uh, fully charged car becomes discharged or partially discharged in about six hours. Uh, so they come back to the charging hub and they swap the car. Uh, so they take a new car and drive it on the road. So the driver partner does not waste any time in charging of the car. Uh, so there is there is no uh, they they operate on a lease and they have to pay us the lease. Uh, but the lease is uh, but their but their earnings uh, in case the driver partner has put in the requisite number of hours and. For whatever business reason has not been able to make enough revenue, we just offer a minimum guarantee to the driver partner, which supports their livelihood. Now, what happens, for example, during COVID or or any time when the demand is low, is that the driver partner has to pay the EMI of the car, like in the case of Ola and Uber, has to pay for the maintenance of the car. Uh, but if there is no earning, then where what does the driver partner do? And then they have to also run their own homes. They have to pay for their kids. They have to pay for their food. They have to pay for the tuition fees, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So we just ensure that in bad days time, there is a kind of a security cover with the driver partner that you will make such and such money irrespective of business. But that is only. But that is only if you follow the protocol of the platform, which is great customer service, which is no cancellation. Which is which is which is about opening the door for your customer, offering them a sanitizer. If you if you can if you only perform on the quality standards that the platform has mentioned and and you are trained for, only if you maintain those standards will you get the. If I can use the word security cover, otherwise you don't get it. Okay. So, uh, what is the economics for a driver? How much does he pay for a lease, and then uh, like? You know what can a driver earn in that six-hour period? So net of what our platform is doing today, the driver partner uh, net of all the lease and etc. And a lease comes like a full lease. You know, it's for a fully charged, maintained, insured electric car. 
Otherwise, driver partners have to pay separately for fuel, separately for maintenance, separately for insurance, separately for the separately for the uh, lease of the car, EMI of the car. In our case, it just comes up one bundled thing. They just have to pay one thing, uh, which is there. And uh, so, so approximately, driver partners, uh, if they are working uh, two shifts of six hours each, uh, make about uh, close to. 22-23,000 rupees uh, a month uh, for 26 days of for 26 days of working amazing this is very interesting like you have essentially uh, like you know how there is that SaaS movement in which companies no longer need to buy software and uh, keep maintaining it and upgrading it on their own they can just subscribe to software so you have made uh, electric car available as a subscription to a driver where he can get his car lease and then uh, just for that period when he's using the car, only that period he has to pay the lease amount. And if uh, there is not enough business, he, he can choose not to, or he can choose to take 10 days off if he wants to. And it will, because it will not affect his costs if he's not working for yeah, 10 days. So, he doesn't so, have to. so that, that, that brings in a very high quality of talent pool for our driver partners. Because uh, you can, as a driver partner, you do not have any fixed cost. You do not have to pay the EMI. You do not have to pay the lease. You do not have to pay the maintenance. Now you can. This is where we have actually now brought in what originally was the Uber concept that if you have spare time, come and drive. Right. Yeah. 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 Because in India, the unutilized asset is bad powers. So, so the, yeah. this is actually uh, exactly. So, so you get and so we have multiple th- hundreds of students who drive for us. And so, if you sit in a blue smart car, you you can pretty much find a very educated. MBA going graduate who's driving the car because uh, because the guy had some spare time uh, four hours in a day he could spare and in that in that four hours he could make twelve thirteen thousand rupees amazing amazing okay and uh, so how do you acquire driver partners at scale like bolne ki zarurat nahi hai sir that just happens people I mentioned you know we have uh, unutilized uh, India's uh, strength and weakness both is the huge manpower that we have so I think people are looking forward to earning opportunities where they only where they have to only bring their skill and no capital in the case of our competition people have to bring skill which is the skill to drive and capital in our case you only have to bring skill so if you have so if you have the if you have the if you have the ability to drive safely start earning money. Uh, what is your driver onboarding process? Like, uh, how, how do they get trained on what is the requirement of the platform and, you know, so that your service quality is maintained? How do you maintain service quality, basically? Yeah, so uh, I think uh, the driver on the driver onboarding side, it's a two-day training process. Now, if you can ask our competition how they onboard driver partners, all you need to do is to scan your Aadhaar, scan your uh, driving license upload it in our portal your driver ID becomes okay and you can start driving nobody's ever physically met the driver partner in our case the driver partner has to clear a fitness test has to clear the background verification has to clear a driving test because all electric cars are also automatic so they have to clear a test driving test for an automatic car uh, electric cars don't have gears uh, so after they have done that they go through a two-day training program on every weekly, they have to complete two hours of training, which can happen through videos or in person. Uh, so they have to do that. And then only they can be fit to be retained on the platform. Plus, uh, we, we take uh, complaints extremely seriously uh, because what happens is that in case of our competition, 
if you dehire a driver partner one car also gets dehired if you say that you will not drive that means one car also becomes less in our case if we dehire a driver partner for quality the driver partner is gone there is a new driver partner which will drive your car tomorrow the car is there so so people people know that if they do not perform there are 20 people standing in the queue to take their job so that is like a pressure that is like a pressure on them if you know that uh, people people in uh, people on ola and driver partners in ola and uber no kiar humko nikal to sakte nahi ye gaadiyan to gaadi ka amazing okay amazing how you figured out each of these uh, like solutions so uh, you know fix uh, do you also uh, like collect data to ensure service quality like is there a iot device uh, on the vehicle which like you know tell me about all of those other initiatives to maintain service quality huge amount of huge amount of data uh, which is collected i think customer feedback is the is the best format uh, if you go on to the app store our app rating is 4.9 out of 5 uh, we've been maintaining it for a very very long time uh, which is the best uh, for uh, for any ride hailing app in the world is the is the best uh, rating star rating which is there after every trip customers review it we have mystery mystery riders who take we have a we have a dedicated call center where you can call in and uh, and you know mention your feedback social media is such a big uh, uh, provider of feedback uh, so so all of that is all of that is uh, pretty active modes of getting uh, uh, getting feedback and, and i think uh, uh, you know just like our stock market tells you at every 9:15 am how you have been performing uh after every trip the customer tells you how you have been performing uh we do thousands of trips every day now and and about 70% of the trip people uh, give a star rating after the trip uh, so so that is enough data to be collected and then they also mention whether the issue was with the cleanliness of the car or with the driver behavior or something else etc etc so i think huge amount of data flows in from customer side Uh, onto uh, onto 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 our app and and I think all of it is very deeply analyzed because customer service is the only key to success. What about uh, IoT based data? Like, uh, does that help? Because I'm sure EVs have a lot more um, data that they can generate as compared to an ICE car. No, we get a lot of data. So so we get a lot of data on how the brakes have been applied. We get a lot of data on the speed of the car, acceleration of the car. Uh, we get a lot of data on 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 if the door of the car has been opened, door has been closed. Uh, so we get all of that uh, data, which is there, which basically uh, you know helps us only to uh, ensure that uh, that you know the that things are going right. So, for example, if if there is a sudden acceleration or deceleration of a car, we get to know that. And if it is, let's say, across the four G kind of a mark, there is an alarm which gets raised at our operations center. that means that something wrong is happening with the car so we use uh, maybe an accident maybe somebody is hit it or the driver is driving rash etc etc uh, so we get all of that uh, data uh, from from the uh, from the iot device which is there then most importantly the iot data is about location now how uh, people in how our competition gets your location is through the phone of the driver partner there is no but in our case that's not the case in our case the location is coming from the uh, from the car from the car the location is being coming from the customer's phone the location is also coming from the driver's phone and all of them are triangulated to understand that this is it's not that the car is showing x location 
the driver partner is showing Y location and the customer is showing Z location. That means there is a safety incident which is going to happen. So, so all of that needs to be needs to move at a certain speed. They all need to be in a certain uh, radius, one meter radius of of each other. So, so those are some of the tech uh, tech tech helps us to identify safety issues because tomorrow today. If there was a driver partner who threw your phone off, the drive, you know, the bad guy, yeah, he threw your phone out of the car. There is no way you can track anything. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you would come to know because the car and the customer location is different, so means something is wrong. Yeah, absolutely. So, so we would also we would also know the driver partner's location. A lot of things. I I think uh, we also know if the car is running or not. If the if battery percentage is coming down, the car is running. Battery percentage is not coming down. The car is not running. The car is stationary. Was the AC on or not? We can even we even know whether the windows were rolled up or rolled down. Okay, amazing. And uh, you also took a decision to uh, not be on demand. Like uh, I think you need to book at least forty-five minutes in advance. Oh, majburi hai sir. Oh, majburi hai. It's not a day. It's we would want to be insta hail, uh, but uh, we are slightly constrained. We have about twenty-five hundred cars now in Delhi NCR. Uh, to go Insta Hill for full Delhi NCR, we'll need about forty thousand cars. So uh, there's a so Avito, we have to do the full geography and then we have to start reducing time. What is the constraint to growth? Uh, like, uh, why can't you do forty thousand in a few more months? Uh, what what are is it a supply of vehicle? Is it supply of charging infra? Is it supply of money? What, what like you know? Please do a podcast with CEO of Tata Motors, Hyundai. <laughs> okay. Ask them this question and let me know the answer also. Okay. Why they are not manufacturing enough EV cars? So the constraint is only supply of EV. There's no money or charging infra. Both of those are sorted. Smart has more than enough money than it what it needs. Because you anyway are taking on lease, so you don't need to really put in money to acquire more cars. We need some money, but uh, that's not... That's not hell of a money that we need. Uh, so uh, we are very adequately capitalized. I think uh, we still, it just in our bank, we have enough money to last us for the next three years. So uh, we're not actually uh, issues on the free break even by October, then then uh, by December, then anyways, uh, we don't need further money. So from a money perspective, uh, I think we are more than suffering. The only constraint is on how many cars can we get. Okay, so... Uh, is this why uh, you acquired an EV manufacturer? Gaadi nahi milti kya Okay, tell me about that. Which uh, which company did you acquire? Why did you select it uh, out of all the options in front of you? What uh, and what are the uh, like? What's on the roadmap for that company? So uh, we acquired this business. This was a US based startup. Uh, they were not able to raise funds. They had a very nice product. Uh, the founder was a very technical guy. Not a commercial guy, so uh, he raised two rounds of funding, but couldn't raise the, the next one. Uh, and uh, we wanted to start. What's it called? That that company? Uh, we've not named it. Uh, like we've not uh, disclosed what business we acquired, uh, but uh, but it's into passengers EV space. Yeah, yeah, passenger EV space. It's a car. Uh, so uh, so we wanted cars for Blue Smart. And, uh, nice technology, nice nice people, nice team. Uh, uh, we, they had a working uh, prototype in place and uh, they had yes, figured yes. out uh, manufacturing also they had started 
No, no, they were they only had prototypes. Uh, they only had prototypes, and uh, basically they were trying to raise funds for manufacturing. They would essentially be competing against Tesla in the U.S. market. Like that was going to be the, the car, it's, ambition. Uh, it's a Tesla, okay. is a, Tesla is a fifty thousand dollar car. This is okay. uh, slightly. Uh, this was supposed to be a ten thousand dollar mass market uh, EV. Yeah. So, so now that team is working to set up manufacturing in India. Yes, yes. In fact, I'm today at their office only. The plant is being set up at Pune, in Chak- at Chakan in Pune. Uh, with God's grace, uh, we should start the trial production in the month of January and commercial production should start from March. Wow, that's amazingly fast. And because you acquired, so you can do this fast because they had already figured out the technology and, and the, uh, the that product market fit, the uh, vehicle design, prototyping, R&D, all of that, they had already done. So, yeah, hence... So- so we so uh, when we got in the design was at uh, stage minus one in the sense that uh, one stage lower than good to go good for production kind of a design which was there. Uh, I think the teams worked hard. Uh, we just acquired the business very recently in April, uh, so it's just been like uh, six odd months since we acquired it. Uh, and in the next three four months, we'll have the plant ready and production mm-hmm. started. Yeah, and this is purely for internal consumption, or is this going to be a standalone? Uh, EV business, which you'll also sell to consumers. We are going to sell. To, we are going to sell to consumers. Oh wow! So, uh, did you uh, tweak the design for Indian conditions, or uh, like was there a need to tweak it for Indian conditions? The car design. Yeah, of course there were certain things which were needed, uh, but the but the founder is the founder of this company is also an Indian. Okay, of course it's mm-hmm. a US based company, but uh, the mm-hmm. founder is also an Indian. So so there was. He knew pretty well about mm-hmm. Indian conditions. It wasn't mm-hmm. a big challenge. Okay, amazing, amazing. Okay, and what's the plan for uh, this uh, EV business? Like, what is the run you will do? Like, how many cars a month? That you know, what, what like so roadmap for this? Yeah, so we have uh, right now. We are constructing our first plant. Uh, the first plant is going to have a manufacturing capacity of twelve hundred cars, two shifts. If we I decide to add a third shift, we can take it up to three two thousand cars per month also. Okay. So uh, we're going to produce. Uh, I would say if we start two shift uh, at two hundred cars a month, it will be mm. it will be a good it will be a very good start. Right. But but even this is not fully meeting your need. Like if you want to hit forty thousand uh, in Delhi, this is like uh, so. So what else are you doing to meet that supply gap? No. So I I'm sure Tata Motors is ramping up their production. Our prime. Uh, our prime purchase is still going to be Tata Motors. Uh, we are we are also in very advanced negotiation with the European supplier of cars, so we should be able to sign an agreement in the next one one and a half month with them too for for supplying a few thousand cars. Uh, Tata Motors, uh, we've already placed an order for thirteen thousand five hundred cars with them, out of which we have received two thousand eleven thousand five hundred order is still pending with them. Uh, so between Tata Motors, European. Large auto manufacturer and and uh, our own Gensol uh, EV production uh, should be, I think, in about twelve fifteen months, we should be able to hit the mark. Okay. So, uh, what's the roadmap in terms of uh, geographical expansion? So, right now you are Delhi NCR focused. Uh, how we do you launched to... Bangalore about two weeks back. Oh. So that's been a good launch. Uh, we're liking how Bangalore is shaping up. Uh, Bangalore can also absorb about 40-50,000 cars. So Bangalore is a la- very large market also. So uh, I think we are happy to be in these two geographies for now, not really looking at these at any third geography for the time being. I mean, there's so much scope here that you don't even need to. Like, it'll take you a year or two to fully meet the demand. 
these geographies only I'm guessing. Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, what is uh, like the kind of revenues that you're doing? I, I want to understand the revenue model also. Like you earn from the uh, amount that you lease it out to to the driver plus something per ride, or like how do you earn? Like, should we earn three things? Uh, one, we take a take rate of the customer revenue. So, what twenty five percent of customer revenue comes to us? Two, we make revenue from lease to the driver partners, and three, we also make revenue from third party who use our charging stations. So, so we also make revenue from there. Uh, so, Blue is today uh, annual revenues in the run rate of about more than two hundred crores. Amazing! And how many charging points do you have? About close to six hundred fast charging points, fifteen hundred slow charging points. Okay. So, what is the uh, the difference between fast charging and slow charging? Like the, I mean, wh- why would you invest in slow charging? Why not just invest in fast charging? Is there a benefit to get slow charging points? Uh, yeah. So, uh, what happens is that uh, in the night time we have enough time to car charge our cars slow. Fast chargers, of course, cost uh, the uh, cost uh, about at least twenty times more expensive than a slow charger. So a slow charger you can get for about six thousand five hundred rupees. Fast charger, if it is CCS, is about four lakh rupees. Uh, so, uh, what has been your fundraise journey so far? Like, uh, who are the investors who backed you? And you know, just just tell me a bit about that. Also, so we we've raised uh, four rounds of capital till date. We did a three million seed round. Then we did a seven million pre A. Then we did a twenty five million A and twenty five million A one. Uh, so we've raised about close to 60.5 million dollars uh, till date, which is about close to, let's say, 400 crore rupees that we have raised. Uh, and uh, and uh, yes, uh, British Petroleum has been our uh, largest investor. Uh, so BP, BP is a significant investor with us, British Petroleum. Then uh, we have Mayfield, who's a very solid investor with us. Then we have some of the largest family offices in the country who've backed us. For example, Sumant Khan Munjal's office, which is also part of Hero family. Uh, so uh, they pick up other Khan's family office, etc., etc. A few very famous family offices who backed us. Uh, uh, so so good good set of investors that we have. I guess it would not have been a big challenge for you to raise funds because you had that credibility of Gensol, like building up Gensol. Uh, but we were, but we had COVID uh, and in COVID, uh, was zero. Oh right, so, okay. So we had to raise money for a company whose revenue was zero, yeah. and 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 a company whose uh, prime business was the worst thing that anybody wanted, which is travel and mobility. Yeah, right, right. Uh, how was the COVID period for you? Like, was it like a high stress, high pressure situation for you, or did you have enough money in the bank to last it comfortably? Like. So money's never been a constraint for us in any of the business. Money, we've always had sufficient money. Uh, with us, uh, I think uh, it was a fun time. Uh, apart from the human tragedy uh, which was happening, uh, it was generally a fun time because we were in the very early days of starting Blue. We started Blue on sixth of December, uh, twenty nineteen, and twentieth of March uh, the lockdown happened. So we had about hundred days only which we had operated, uh, and all through the three months of lockdown, we just sat and improved the technology. Uh, so uh, we had hundred days of uh, experience. We knew we knew where this was failing. We knew what uh, what we had to build. Uh, so I think uh, so we say we were on Zoom calls just building out the tech, and then uh, when it all started again in July, uh, and then again we got a lockdown in 
in, uh, in December and then in May again when wave two, wave three happened. So, so yes, uh, it's been it's been uh, start stop, start stop. Uh, but every time uh, we used to get a lot of experience of of what is working, what is not working, uh, and and in those in those off peak uh, uh, kind of days, which were the lockdown days, we used to go and build out tech. Uh, and and otherwise, it's very difficult to change an operating system when operations are running because uh, there's so much pressure of operations. Uh, but if you're sitting at home, no car is running on the road. You can pretty much, uh, uh, you know, uh, just focus all your energies in fixing the tech. Right. It helped you mature your product in a much faster way than would have been yes, possible. Yes. Right. Amazing. Okay. Plus, I guess uh, COVID would have also made uh, people value uh, customer service more. L- like your core uh, promise of customer service would have become more valuable post-COVID. Yeah, and no, I think, yes, uh, people uh, did talk about sanitization. People did want uh, a proof that the driver partners were vaccinated. So, so a lot of this was there, which is which is great. I think, I think yes, uh, COVID generally upped the ante on, 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 on sanitization, cleanliness, etc., etc. So, so uh, yes, good. Has been, we have been big beneficiaries on the business because of COVID. Uh, our, our competition suffered massively. Uh, they had 500,000 cars, but a lot of driver partners were, gave their cars back, etc., etc. So competition size actually halved. In, in your case, uh, the drivers are still protected, but in their case, if there's no money, then the driver goes bankrupt. So that would have... Like- so, uh, huge amount of reposition of cars mm. which happened during COVID. Oh, amazing. Okay, okay. Uh, I read that you're raising about $250 million in your next round. That's correct. Amazing. That would be like a unicorn round, I'm guessing. No comments on that. (laughs) It's a a good race. Yeah, it is. It is amazing. Absolutely amazing. More power to you. And that brings us to the end of this conversation. I want to ask you for a favor now. Did you like listening to the show? I'd love to hear your feedback about it. Do you have your own startup ideas? I'd love to hear them. Do you have questions for any of the guests that you heard about in the show? I'd love to get your questions and pass them on to the guests. Write to me at ad at the podium.in. That's ad at t-h-e-p-o-d-i-u-m dot in.